0: Welcome into the show, everybody. Today is going to be episode nine of Center of Attention, recording this the Monday after the Super Bowl. Had a lot to talk about today. Um, Had a couple different segments that haven't been done um, on the show so far. I kind of made a statement a little bit about Kobe Bryant and the way that I felt about everything that happened with him and the nine other families last Sunday in the helicopter crash. Um, And then I was able to get my brother Sunday night right after the Super Bowl, Dom, who you guys heard. Back on episode 3 of the podcast. And then a new guest um, today, my dad, Jim Pilato, talking about the game last night and some of the things that he saw. Kind of wanted to get a different perspective again on the game. It was such a huge magnitude event. And um, I think that they'll both have some pretty cool insights. We also talk a little bit about some WWE stuff with Dom. Um, But that's going to be the portion of today's episode. I'll have a little bit... um, of me before everything else starts. I'll go into the Kobe thing and then I'll play Dom's interview and then my dad's interview. Um and that's how this episode's gonna go today. Um but first you can follow Dom on Instagram. He is his handle is at Dom D O M P A L L O T T O sixty three on Instagram. Um his Twitter as I'm trying to Pull it up quickly here. Dom's Twitter is at Dom Pilato, D-O-M-P-A-L-L-O-T-T-O, and uh, those are where you can find him. Dom's also going to be playing in in the spring coming up here for the UNC Bears, trying to earn a spot and be able to play next year in the fall. You can follow my dad on Twitter at. Hold on, here we go. At Jim Pilato. And then his Instagram is Um Hold on no. He keeps pulling pulling me up. His Instagram, I believe, is at JPulato. Um, so you guys you can find them on those different platforms. Um, for myself, you can follow me on instagram at proud wap. on Twitter. You can follow me at Jimmy Pilato. Um, and then we also uh, have a couple other Twitter accounts that I run. I'm just started a, a Twitter page for the podcast, center of attention. It is at c o a pod seventy three, and that's all caps what as you're searching for that. And then if you wanted to follow, my sports talk show here on 91.1 FM in Gunnison, you can follow that page at KWSB lowercase and then sports in all caps. Um, So those are the ways that you can try and keep up with the shows and stuff that I'm running. Um, And we'll be continuing to truck right on through almost at about 275 plays through just eight episodes so far. This will be the ninth one coming out. Over two months of doing this so far, and it's been one of the best things that I've started and one of my favorite projects that I've done since I started college. So I I appreciate you guys listening. Um, Thank you for supporting. Be sure to like and subscribe the podcast. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. If you tweet at me, I will try and reply. Um, you, You can direct message me on Instagram as well. I will try and interact with you guys and uh, keep this show rolling and keep giving you guys content that you enjoy listening to Uh waste about an hour and a half two hours of your thursday every week so like i said thanks for listening and here is center of attention episode nine Woo!
1: bring them out bring them out bring them out bring them
2: out it's hard to yell when the rails in your mouth come Swizzy! on bring them out bring them out hey bring them out bring them out. Yeah! out bring them out yeah! hey! 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 bring them out hey bring them
0: all right, guys, um, just wanted to get my reaction to probably the biggest news of the sports world for the past 365 days. Uh, this is bigger than when last year's Super Bowl ended. This is bigger than this year's Super Bowl. Uh, it just happened to occur a week before Super Bowl 54. It was the death of Kobe and Gianna Bryant, his daughter, and then the seven other passengers that were lost in that helicopter crash. Um, I, I I had thought about trying to record my reaction and putting it in last week's episode. Um, I know Nico was a huge basketball fan, which makes him a huge Kobe fan both on and off the court because of what he was able to do. For the 20 years for the Lakers and then obviously with his work trying to build up the WNBA for his uh, daughter Gianna who unfortunately was also on the helicopter with him when it crashed. And just that whole state of the sport he wanted to push both men and women's basketball forward. Um, It's a really tough thing to to have to deal with. I uh, first got the word I was doing homework the Sunday that it occurred. Um, and got the text from my dad in our family group chat who ended up coming through and saying that Kobe had died and at first you know there's the initial I don't believe this this can't be happening phase I mean he he had just won an Oscar a few years ago and he was doing so many good things to try and push the state of the sport forward and I've been very open about it throughout this entire show is that I'm not a huge basketball fan I don't sit there and watch all the different games that have been happening, but I was definitely aware of Kobe and the fact that he just influenced the game so much and the fact that he had so many different things that went along with basketball. I mean, Kobe Bryant, as for, for my generation, he's as close as we can get to a Michael Jordan to the point where you say Kobe, he was known by one name, um, And he was the best player in the NBA for multiple years at a time. Won the MVP, obviously, in 2010. And now he, we have to deal with the fact that he's gone and he's not going to be back. Um, And that whole thing, just the visceral reaction and the fact that they had to announce that to different players who were playing in the NFL Pro Bowl that Sunday. And then the, the reactions of different NBA analysts. Obviously, Shaq was... One that I watched because I knew the history of him and Kobe on the Lakers. The fact that they won a couple NBA championships with it. It's uh, the only thing I can equate it to. And I I didn't cry when Kobe died just because I didn't have that close of an initial reaction to him. Obviously, going back and, and learning that his daughter died made it a little bit different and the other seven families, other seven people that were lost in that helicopter flight were, there's no life that's worth more than than the other. Kobe and Gianna were obviously on a different level because they had been seen at uh, many different NBA events, and everybody knew that Kobe was trying to push the state of women's basketball, and and Gianna was an up-and-coming WNBA player in the future. She wanted to go to UConn and continue that tradition of women's dominance in the basketball arena. It's just really disheartening. The only thing that I can compare it to is when I first learned that uh, Eddie Guerrero died back in, in the early 2000s for WWE. Eddie Guerrero was one of my favorite guys, and it's it's difficult to explain if you're not a huge sports fan and if you don't have an idol in the sports world. It's difficult to explain why a death like this affects you the way that it does because you didn't know the person personally. A lot of people didn't know Kobe on a name basis. He wouldn't have been able to pick you out of a lineup, but I've seen so many different fan reactions to the passing of Kobe and his daughter Gianna, and it's just like somebody who had been watching Kobe their their entire lives. And you build up a bond with these guys when you watch them play for as long as Kobe played. Um, and, and he gives you the hope and he plays for your team and you're a huge fan and, that, and that's your thing. And, and I'm not here to tell anybody that they should or shouldn't be crying because a guy like Kobe Bryant died, who everybody knows um, was a huge figure in the NBA world. It's just difficult... When you're going through something like this and you see the fact that his 13 year old daughter is no longer going to be able to pick up a basketball, it's unfortunate that she was on the helicopter ride with him. And I'm sure if he had it, if he knew that the helicopter was going to go down, he would have never let his daughter get on it. He had proven, no matter what you want to say about him, with the early. Colorado accusations of sexual assault and, and that whole thing, no matter what you want to say about him with that, people make mistakes and he was in the process. And I think that he had done a great job since then building up his character to the point where people could actually stand behind him and root for him. So it's difficult to explain to people why a, a guy dying that you didn't know who was such a sports icon Affects you so differently. And the only. I I don't even really have. An explanation as to why it hurts. As much as it does. And it's been a week. At the time that I'm recording this. And it still hurts the same. Just because. Kobe was on his way to do such great things. And he had done so many. Awesome. Awesome projects. Since he had retired from the NBA. He had gotten to the. Animation world. And won an animation award for. His Dear Basketball won an Oscar and an Emmy for that. He he was moving himself in such a great direction and I would have really enjoyed seeing the way that he was able to guide his daughter Gianna into the career that she was about to have and just become the advocate for basketball that everybody knew he could be. So I'm not going to say that I'm all broken up about the death because of Kobe Bryant. I'm all broken up about the fact that this is just another reason to show that life is extremely fragile and nobody knows, nobody knows what's going to happen the second after they finish a sentence. So I know I'm not the first person that you've probably heard in the media world or the internet world or anything like that saying this, but this is just a reminder to love your the people that are closest to you. Hug your family. Hug your daughters and sons if you have them. Hug your brothers, sisters, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmothers. Because you never know when something like this is going to occur. And and you never know when the last chance that you had to tell somebody goodbye is. And I guess that's what I was trying to figure out if I wanted to put on the last episode. and, And at some point I'm sure I'll have Nico back on again. And he can talk about what he was feeling during this time but I I didn't think that it was right to affect the episode that Nico had we recorded that a couple days before Kobe Bryant ended up dying with his daughter Gianna and the seven other people involved in that helicopter crash and I just wanted to say that this isn't a tribute to Kobe but I'm definitely going to take some of the things that I learned from him watching him compete the mentality that he had and not just sports but he had that mentality in everything that he did And that's why he was able to win an Oscar and an Emmy for the animation that he did after he retired. Just take all those moments in, soak them all in because you never know when it's going to be your last and make sure that the people you love know that, that you love them and that you do anything for them and that this isn't something to bat an eyelash at. This is a very serious thing. And unfortunately it happened to a 41 year old icon and a legend of the sport that he played and his 13-year-old daughter. But this could happen to anybody, and I, I just wanted to try and send that message home once again because I've seen a lot of different things in the five or six days since his passing that have kind of made my stomach turn because they're in bad taste. He obviously made a, made a mistake. He wouldn't, have, wouldn't not have been accused of something as serious as sexual assault. If something hadn't happened, but he obviously was making the strides to try and better himself for his family, him as a person, his wife, who is now left with three other children without a father, and he's also done that with his four daughters that he was able to raise, and they're all very successful, and they're all going to be continuing on in their father's legacy, and I just... I can understand if you have mixed feelings about Kobe Bryant as a person in his past discrepancies, but you shouldn't be making light of this situation because of the fact that not only was his life lost, but also the life of his 13-year-old daughter, and now he has a wife and three children that are going to have to wake up every day knowing that they're not going to have their dad that day. Nobody, unless you've experienced this personally, nobody knows the exact reaction you're supposed to have and even if you have experienced it nobody knows the reaction that is okay I just wanted to record this portion and say I, I recently I, I've been back in, into the, the faith scene and have been going to church um, so my heart's my heart goes out to the Bryant family my thoughts and prayers are with them and I hope that people can try and see around the mistakes that he made in his life as a younger man and see the trajectory of what we are missing out on now without Kobe Bryant in the world and the fact that he was going to try and do everything that he could to move the state of women's basketball forward and just to move the state of our country forward because that was where all signs were leading to him um, so I just wanted to get that out there and, and that'll be my reaction to the fact that Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna were lost in a helicopter crash um, on a fateful Sunday morning. Well, we have now a new champion of the Super Bowl. For the first time in 50 years, the Kansas City Chiefs have secured their first Super Bowl victory since Super Bowl Four against the Green Bay Packers. They were able to outlast the San Francisco 49ers thirty one to twenty and uh it was a interesting type of game, a little bit different than what we've been seeing in the past couple years. Um this is actually I would say a mirror image of what last year could have produced a thirty one to twenty victory for the Chiefs and wow, I mean that's that's all I can say at this point. I, I thought that um uh, I mean, if you listen to Gunnison Sports Talk Radio, I was saying that I think that the uh, Chiefs were going to be beat. I thought that the San Francisco 49ers had enough on defense to be able to beat the Chiefs and be, and overcome that little bit of Patrick Mahomes that, uh, I mean, I, I guess he's come out with it now. This is 110% the guy that you have to look out for every time that you come up and play in the NFL. So just some... Um, uh, Some initial reactions at, at first. Obviously, if you listen to Gunnison Sports Talk Radio, I lost the pick them. I picked the San Francisco 49ers. I thought that they were going to be able to come away with a victory, and, and I thought that, I mean, I was selfishly rooting for the Cherry Creek High School graduate, Ch- Kyle Shanahan, to overcome Andy Reid, who, I mean, we've been having the conversation the last couple weeks on the radio uh, of whether or not he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Or excuse me, Hall of Fame coach, and I think that he's proven that he is. That's that's kind of the main thing that I get out of this. He was able, Andy Reid, for whatever you wanted to say about him. He can't win playoff games. He sucks after. Uh, he he sucks at game planning and clock management. Unless he has a bye week in in front of it, people forgot that when you make it to the Super Bowl, you have a bye week out in front of you anyway. So it didn't really matter. Um, I'm not gonna say that this isn't the most shocking outcome of a Super Bowl that I think that I've seen in a long time. Last last year was shocking just because of the lack of points. I thought that the Rams were going to be able to score points. I thought that Brady was going to have to outduel Jared Goff for the Rams. Um, this one is shocking just because it almost seemed like Kyle Shanahan was a little bit afraid. It uh, was a different kind of experience having a, a quarterback – and a coach that almost seemed afraid to lose the lead that they'd built up, and that ended up costing them at the end. If uh, you were watching the whole game, you know that San Francisco and Kansas City were tied 10-10 to going into the half, and um, there was a little bit of questions of whether the clock management was okay. Um, at the time, I thought that the clock management was fine. Kyle Shanahan wanted to go into halftime with either a tie or better. He had the opportunity to maybe make – a couple more plays and score some more points but that wasn't the way that he decided to go and he decided to enter the halftime at a 10 to 10 tie and then they came out getting the second half kickoff and they were able to um they were they were able to control the ball a little bit better I guess they were able to kind of force the action for lack of a better term but you always had the opportunity for Kansas City and Pat Mahomes to come back Mahomes did make the mistakes. Mahomes made the mistakes that a Kansas City, or excuse me, a San Francisco 49er fan was hoping that he would make. He threw two interceptions, his first two postseason interceptions that he's ever thrown. He's a 24 year old kid trying to win a world championship in the biggest sport in America, on the biggest stage. I mean everybody was paying attention to this game. Even if you weren't a huge sports fan, you at least had a a semblance of what was going on with the Super Bowl, and it ended up being, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from the Kansas City Chiefs' victory. I think that they they played well enough to be able to win. Their defense did show up in the right times. Um, but the, co- the coaching is obviously in question, and whether or not you think that he was kind of coaching not to lose instead of coaching to win, and there's a discrepancy there in between those two statements. They sound pretty similar, but um, it, I, I learned it when I was first wrestling, um, way back when in the Pomona youth group and, uh, my dad was the coach and he had never wrestled before, but he, he had been in high level athletics, um, moving forward in, in that. And the main thing that he taught me during that time was, do you want to play to win or do you, are you going to wrestle since it was wrestling? Are you, are you going to wrestle to win or are you going to wrestle not to lose? And he, he told me that when I was about eight years old, eight or ten years old, so it was difficult to comprehend. But now, looking back on it and looking back on my career, I, I kind of have brought that mentality of whether or not you're going to play to win or you're going to play not to lose in, in everything that I've done. Podcasting, radio, uh, NCAA football that I just finished up this year. Are you going to play to win or are you going to play not to lose? And, and that's going to be a deciding factor when you look at some of the stats uh, of this game. I think that Kyle Shanahan, as much as I wanted him to win, he's a Cherry Creek graduate. That would have been cool to have another Bruin with Super Bowl tr- uh, Super Bowl rings and, and a Super Bowl championship pred- pedigree. I think that the, Sh- the Shanahans are one of the most underrated families when it comes to coaching. A lot of the other coaching families kind of get a little bit more love. The Belichicks have obviously won Super Bowls. In the past, with his two sons, uh, but I do think that if you look at some of the stats, and if you watch the game, it's uh, it's in kind of indicative of how they were playing to win for a lot of the a lot of the time. Then they got a lead, and they were just trying to play not to lose. They were trying to play not to out, you know, overcome the fact that they didn't have the faith in their defense to win this game. And I think that's what ended up costing them the victory. Um, Now we're going to transition. My my brother Dom, uh, he's going to be on a little bit. You heard him a couple episodes before. It's called the Dancing Bear, uh, Dominic Pilato. He plays football at Northern Colorado, um, and he's actually being coached by one of the old Broncos who won a couple Super Bowl championships back in the mid-'90s. Um, But we're going to go to my brother Dominic's reaction to the Super Bowl outcome and the way that that ended up shaking out um, tonight. So here is my brother Dominic uh, with his initial reactions to Super Bowl 54. And then we ended up talking a little bit about WWE since they had their big event last weekend. But uh, this is Dominic Pilato reacting live to Super Bowl 54 um, about an hour after the game was ended. So here he comes. Dom, what's up? Uh, so you're actually driving back to northern Colorado, and in my initial reaction that I recorded up here in the studio, I was talking about how um, you play, you're play. you now playing for a guy who won a couple, of Super, couple Super Bowls. Um, I'm not sure how you were feeling about the game. I don't know who you wanted to win, but uh, with the way that the game ended up, what were your initial reactions to how – Super Bowl 54 ended and the Kansas City Chiefs getting their first victory Super Bowl championship since, uh, I mean, it, it's been 50 years since
1: they won their last one. Uh, first off, I mean, I, I really appreciated how close uh, the game was. I, I think uh, any type of championship game, you should always uh, have a well-contested uh, ball game. But honestly, I was pulling more for the 49ers than I was uh, for the Chiefs just because, I mean, I live in Denver, there's a little bit of hatred there, um, you know, especially, I mean there's a little bit of jealousy right now just because we didn't uh, make the playoffs and the Chiefs ended up making it there, but um, I was pulling for the 49ers really because I wanted to see uh, how well Kyle Shanahan could perform in such a big game and he didn't disappoint, it just ended up being uh, a couple different explosive plays and a couple different uh, bad falls that ended up being their downfall in my opinion.
0: Do you not think that Shanahan almost had a – it looked like towards the end of the game, it looked like he was having flashbacks to the last time he was in the Super Bowl. He was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons when they were playing the Patriots uh, Super Bowl 51, and it almost looked like he was trying not to lose. And and I know I talked about it when I was recording my initial reactions um, to the game, and Dad always told us, you know, you got to play to win. You can't play not to lose. And in my opinion, I was thinking that Shanahan was coaching almost not to lose in that sense. Did you not see that kind of uh, perspective going down the stretch in the way that the game ended up?
1: No, I, I completely agree with you. I feel like, uh, especially in the first half, I mean, they they were battling, you know, uh, as much as they possibly could and ended up being tied at halftime. But then it's almost like once they got up, they, they got uh, content and they – uh, just started going into that pre vent defense. Uh, that I mean, anybody who tries to play that, they're basically giving up the game. It was it was their game to lose. They had all the momentum in the world. They had you know they had the lead. They had uh, their running game was finally clicking and doing all that different stuff. And uh, you know it just ended up being that Kyle Shanahan either like you said maybe had a little bit of a flashback to the last time he was in the Super Bowl or. You know, just uh, it ended up being not their day, but they 100% gave that game away. There, There's no reason why the Chiefs should have scored twice uh, within the last 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. If, if they would have kept going with the defense that they had for the first three quarters of the game, then there's no reason why it ended up being, you know, they, they,
0: they gave up uh, towards the end. So, in my opinion, they should have won that game. Yeah, I don't think that Andy Reid had enough time to out-scheme Shanahan towards the end of the quarter, and and that was the most frustrating thing about it. I was rooting for the 49ers just because of the Cherry Creek connection. Kyle Shanahan's a graduate of Creek. Um, Granted, we didn't go there or, or even live in the area at the time, but it's always cool to see some of your alumni have success on that level, and he's been... They were, they were talking about it during the broadcast and how he's been able to kind of keep the team going in the right direction. They had the highest percentage of run plays coming out of, of anybody that has made it to the Super Bowl. They had everything set up for them to win, and they, were, they had a great defensive scheme for the th- first three and a half quarters. I would say that that game was lost in the last half of the fourth quarter, and... Um, I'm not quite sure that you can just chalk it up to the fact that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not going to say that he's not. I do think that he's the most talented quarterback, and now he's proven that he can win the big games. But I don't think that it was anything that he did special to come away with the victory for the Chiefs.
1: Well, and I agree with you. He, he is a very, very well, uh, you know, well-studied quarterback. He, he understands defenses. He knows where he has to put the ball. Uh, depending on you know it seems like any needs coverage to draw it on whether it be man to man uh cover three anything like that anything that the 49ers were throwing out of tonight he knew exactly where those pockets were going to be and he knew exactly how patient he had to be in order for those things to uh, pop up but I, I i think i think it might have been just a combination of uh, maybe you know bad play call bad play calling by the 49ers uh especially in that last half of the fourth quarter like you said, but, I mean, Mahomes also played very, very well. He, he uh, has all season, of course, but especially tonight, he, he kind of solidified himself as being that MVP.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting how that's going to shake out moving forward. Um, he, he played really well, and he played – he. I would say that he's the the best player in the NFL at playing what his role is. And at the beginning of the game, they were trying to see if they can open up the run game a little bit, try and take the pressure off of Pat Mahomes. Um, I said last Friday on the radio show, I think that the 49ers, if they were going to be able to win this game and have a good enough defensive scheme to be able to beat the Chiefs, it was going to be the same kind of – we've seen the same defensive strategy before where whenever a quarterback rolls out of the pocket, he's going to get hit no matter if he has the ball or not. They're always going to be in his face just making him uncomfortable. They forced them into two interceptions, and I kind of thought um, that was going to be the, the defining moments of the game, and, and it ended up not being so. Um, it is it is interesting to see how th- this season did shake out and the fact that the 49ers went from, I think they were a top five pick in the draft last year to being in the Super Bowl this year. So there is hope for these teams in the NFL. I think that's one of the reasons why the NFL is the most popular league it's just crazy how, how it ended up working out and the fact that Kyle Shanahan looked a little bit scared, looked like the moment was too big for him to coach, and we've seen a guy in Andy Reid who's blown more coaching opportunities than I think anybody in our lifetimes. Uh, he, he's able to come away with a victory and, and find a way to, to will his team to finally win a championship. Uh, just how, how do you think this is going to affect the NFL moving forward?
1: Uh, you know, I think it's going to be I, I don't think that there's going to be any uh, necessarily huge negative impacts by it. I think, like you said the 49ers last year uh, were, I, I think they might have been uh, the number four pick overall or, you know, something like or No, 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 they were number two because they ended up taking most of number two, uh, if I remember correctly, but um, I, in my opinion, I don't think that there's anything bad that can come from this. I mean you, you can show these teams like you know, me being a Jets fan uh, who They've been down on their luck the last couple of years and haven't seemed to be uh, picking up um, quite as fast as everybody would like them to. You know, you're showing these teams that are having these down years or having these bad seasons, you know, under 500 seasons that there's always there's always next year. There's always hope for that next year. And it doesn't it doesn't matter necessarily what you did the year before as long as you come back the next year, work your butts off, and you know, follow follow protocol as much as you possibly can and just kind of build that team bond because I think that's part of the reason why the 49ers made it as far as they did I mean you, you've seen some of their mic'd up moments on like NFL today NFL good morning all that different stuff you know they're 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 always kind of playing with uh, playing with each other you know that sounds terrible but uh, they're all kind of screwing around with each other uh, Kittle's making fun of Jimmy Garoppolo for looking like a GQ model uh, you know uh, and, and stuff like that they're they're, they're focused, but they're also having fun while they're doing their job. And I think that's part of the reason why they're as explosive but as um, cohesive a unit as they are.
0: It'll be uh, interesting how they, how they influence the league moving forward. Um, I think that they kind of prove that you don't have to change yourself to an entirely college offense to be able to be successful uh, they The first touchdown of the game for the 49ers was scored by a fullback. They ran a lot of formations mm-hmm. where they had a fullback and a tight end in the league. I, I think that you're right. I mean, they were having fun the entire time, and I think that it, it almost seemed like Shanahan thought that the fact that they were having so much fun was a bad thing and them having so much cohesion and, and the fact that they were so loose – he'd always been around his dad where his dad was a little bit more uptight. I mean, you and I weren't necessarily around for the glory glory years where they were winning championships, but Shanahan was always more of a, a straight-laced kind of coach. And I think that he kind of went that way. And the one thing that you can say about Andy Reid, no matter what you want to say about his playoff record, the fact that he can't really compete unless he has a week to prepare for you, um, he, he's been able to adapt and, and the fact that he's 63 and was running pretty much a college offense with a guy who nobody thought was going to be able to compete with in the NFL. He came out of a air raid system, and nobody thought that the air raid translated at all to the NFL level. He's shown everybody completely wrong. Um, it, it's going to be interesting moving forward as to how these coaches kind of handle their teams and how they start building their teams around them. And, uh, I mean, the Bengals have the opportunity to get a guy who's in an offense just like the one that the Chiefs, ran this past year so it's going to be interesting moving forward i agree and, and i and i'm curious to see uh you know
1: like like you keep saying i'm curious to see what uh next year's going to look like because there's a lot of there's a lot of talent coming out of this uh, next draft like you got to a to a uh you know you got all these guys who have made big names themselves in college but you know, it, it's, and I, and I hate to say this because I love the guy and I think uh, he could have been used in a much better way, but we got to see if they're going to end up being like a Patrick Mahomes or if they're going to end up being like a Tim Tebow type where, uh, you know, they have all this talent in the world, they, they played uh, insanely well in college and, you know, just ended up flopping in the NFL. But I guess, you know, it's just, it's just going to be kind of a waiting game and we're going to have to see what happens.
0: All right, the last thing I want to talk to you about, I know you're trying to get back to Greeley and get ready for workouts tomorrow morning. Um, Edge came back in the Royal Rumble last week. The WWE had probably their second biggest or third biggest pay-per-view, depending on whether or not you count SummerSlam as their second biggest pay-per-view of their year. And... uh, A lot of people have some mixed reactions about it. Obviously, Edge came back. That's huge for guys like you and me who grew up watching Edge as the most hated man in the WWE and then watching him not be able to compete anymore. Um, What were your initial reactions to some of the stuff that you were seeing coming out of that? I know you weren't able to watch the event as a whole, but you did see some of the big, major things that came out of it.
1: You know, So like you said, I mean, both of us, we're huge Rated our Superstar fans. Um, I, I still am. I was I was deeply, I mean, I cried probably for two days when he had to retire. Um, obviously, I understood why he had to retire. You know, it's better to be safe and, and keep as much good health as you can than, you know, end up losing all feeling in your body. But, um, you know, when he came back, it was funny because if you if you watch it back a little bit, you know they're they're uh, filming the Royal Rumble. You know everybody's getting trying to throw people over the top rope, all that different stuff. Um, but then as soon as 21 hits and the, and the siren goes off, there's that little bit of like hesitation, almost I would say, uh, between when the bell stopped and when his music started. So it was almost like oh my god, you know who, who's gonna who's coming out? Like this has to be a huge name. And Then as soon as that you think you know me came on, everybody just exploded. And I, I don't know necessarily how big I expected it to be, but that was huge. That was probably the biggest pop that I've heard in the last two or three years uh, of of WWE. I mean, he is one of the biggest names that has ever come through that company. And for them to bring him back, I think, is an insanely smart move. Um, but I also saw, and I don't, and I'm not entirely sure if this is uh, 100% accurate. But I also saw somebody report that yes, Edge came back. Yes, this is great. Royal Rumble was a huge step forward. But then I also saw that the company's stock dropped another billion dollars or something like that. So I, I don't know. It's almost like they're, they're making these huge moves, and Edge is a huge move. Um, And bringing these guys back who are from the glory days of of the WWE of the company, but it's not Obviously, it's not gonna be immediate payout, but it's almost like they make this giant move and then there's an even bigger step backwards So I think it's gonna be really cool to see him back on TV. I really wish they would have put Rated RKO back together and and, uh, instead they uh, had Randy RKO uh, Edge right in the middle of the ring and beat him in the chair and all that different stuff. Um, but, you know, I think all, all good things have to come uh, with him. He's one of the best uh, storytellers, I would say, um, in the WWE in, in, in almost, I, w- I would say, any era. Um, and, you know, his offense isn't overly prolific it's not like he's jumping off the top rope and jumping off the ropes and all that different stuff but he still can get a crowd moving and get a crowd into the story just by you know throwing out a spear and and, you know pandering to the crowd a little bit but i think him being back is going to be a major major step forward and i can't wait to see what happens i'm so excited that he's back and when i saw um when I was watching the highlights of Royal Rumble on YouTube, you know, I I freaked out when I heard his music start playing. So, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. That's that's kind of the summary of all I just said, but I can't wait.
0: Well, we'll have to get you back on when uh, WrestleMania happens. You, you said that you're going to get the free trial for the WWE Network so that you can watch it. Um, if we plan to have you back on after WrestleMania, I'll definitely watch it. I know Nico will probably be Um, watching it as well so we'll have to get back on and do another recap of Wrestlemania podcast but I just wanted to get your initial thoughts on that that was a huge thing for him coming back nobody thought that Edge was going to be able to come back after he had to retire unexpectedly due to some spinal issues that had been building up over his career but thank you for agreeing to come on and give us your reaction to the Super Bowl I know it was a little bit last minute but uh, uh, drive safe getting back up to Greeley and then uh, hopefully, you finish out the the rest ha- rest of this half of the semester before we end up being back at spring break for the, the same time. So, thanks for doing this.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, and uh, anytime, anytime you want me on,
0: I'm ready to talk to the WWE or whatever you want. So, all right, uh, a little bit different now. First time on the podcast, uh, another family member of mine, my dad, Jim Palato, agreed to come on and come on and talk about some of the super bowl stuff uh he obviously I know that he watched the game cuz that's a big day in our household no matter what and uh wanted to see what he thought about some of the things that have been going around about the game uh where he thought different things could have happened and, and changed the outcome but uh dad would you did you in, did you think that it was a better game than last year because that was the big thing was that last year's super bowl wasn't entertaining so people were starting to throw out the NFL is going to die soon again and they're not the best sport. But did you think that the game overall was good?
2: Yeah, I I actually enjoyed the game. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Uh, Always happy to talk about football. But uh, I actually enjoyed the game. Um, I thought it was competitive and probably more competitive than anybody initially thought uh you know honestly of course i'm a i'm a football guy so i think today should have been a holiday right day after the super bowl but um you know i don't i don't think that's how the nfl is going to die i think the nfl is going to going to uh, legislate or, or rule itself out of the game uh and eventually we'll be watching something that looked like the pro bowl this year and that was just a joke
0: yeah i yeah. was i've turned it, i was down in the uh, uc for like 5 minutes and was watching, I was ba- more, paying more attention to the ticker going across the screen, talking about Kobe than the actual game. And from what I did see, the there were plays that the D-line didn't even rush, and it was basically just a glorified 7-on-7 game.
2: I, I don't know, did anybody even go to the ground in that Pro Bowl? I mean, that was ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it was worse than I remembered it in the past couple years. I didn't think that it was going to be good, but I didn't expect it to
2: be that bad. Well, and a couple of the rules they're toying with, they implemented in that game uh, with the no kickoffs at all and just giving the ball to 25 and things like that. I mean, it looked like uh, back when you were playing little league, it looked like a released a beast game. Well,
0: I'm glad I didn't sit through that then and decided to go on and be more productive with my day. Um, talking about the game specifically, it was uh, a little bit more of a old school type game than I was expecting. Both uh, Shanahan and Reed are kind of more known for their speed and getting the ball out in space, but they both used run games and tight ends and all the good stuff that that linemen like to see. Um, what did you think about the play uh, of the game and and the way that both teams were basically going back old school? It was a new, it's a 2020 offense, but it was uh basically looked like a 1990s game.
2: Yeah. You know, I never, I never uh, will complain about that. Anytime you've got tight ends and fullbacks in the game that are actually blocking, that's always good for me. Um, you know, I I kind of suspected the chiefs may run the ball a little bit only because I think that uh, San Francisco kind of felt they could take care of it with their down four um, and drop everybody into coverage. And uh, you know, Look, both teams' coaches get paid. Both teams' players get paid. You you've got to expect adjustments, and you've got to be able to adjust accordingly. So, um, you know, I I again never will complain about uh, about lots of run game. I I'd love to watch the service academies anytime the O line is just coming off the ball and looking to to knock somebody down. I, I'm all for it. Um, and I think actually that's what makes the game more exciting, right? I mean look, I mean look, they, they what almost two touchdowns by a fullback? Who who knew?
0: Yeah. The first touchdown uh, for the 49ers was a fullback. And then he almost had another one and they that's, he's one of the best players regardless of position. So um, I think that it's showing different coaches that they have to, they don't have to completely switch to a a different style of offense, college style of offense. Um, What about the result? what do you think of the result? Um, Obviously the, it's the second time Shanahan has choked in a Super Bowl. I don't You got to watch his dad coach a lot more than that. I'm not sure I ever saw Mike choke as bad as Kyle has in the last two Super Bowls. Uh, What what did you think was the biggest thing that affected the outcome of the game?
2: Yeah, well, you didn't live through the four they lost where they were just completely outmanned. Um, I thought the outcome, you know, unfortunately, because I did want the Niners to win. I I thought the outcome was about what I expected. Um, the way they went about it, I thought was a little bit, uh, surprising because it felt to me and, and I've seen this today too, but it felt a little bit to me like San Francisco gave it away. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I say that for a couple of reasons, uh, one, they sort of got away from what got them there. Uh, I mean, what did Garoppolo throw eight passes in the NFC championship game? Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, he made a mistake and, and that's to be expected. I'm sure both teams were nervous. They're both fairly young teams. Um, but I thought really where San Francisco gave it away was on the defensive side uh, because they just, they kept losing contain. They kept letting Mahomes, you know, squirt out on the edge. And and San, Kansas City's got so doggone much speed on offense you can't do that because that guy's going to get loose and he's going to run and he's always looking downfield. And now you've got those guys running four-two, four-three, four-four that are running and, and working for him and getting open and you know that's a that's just a bad recipe. I mean, you know as well as anybody, if you lose contain, it's a different game, right?
0: Yeah, it's uh not the greatest situation to be in with a guy that's like that. Um... Starting to people said that he was a lot like Favre when he first started playing. I'm thinking that he's better than Favre, just more talented. And he's not he, he has a gunslinger's ability, but he doesn't play like a gunslinger. He's always calculated. I don't think that he put a ball where he didn't want to, except for the couple of interceptions that he had yesterday.
2: Yeah, well the second interception was just a good play. That linebacker just kept getting depth and the receiver just kind of froze, right? Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, somebody like that, I mean, look, the guy's a freak athlete, uh, could probably be playing baseball if he really wanted to. Um, but he definitely, and, and I think Andy Reid helps in this, he definitely breaks down the defense, he definitely understands what he's looking at, he understands the coverages, you don't fool him often. I think a couple times maybe San Francisco did, but then it was like, okay, now I've seen that, it goes into the computer and I can process it. Um, but where he's dangerous is just the the ability to move around. And was there was one time Bosa just bounced off of him, didn't he? I mean, yeah, I think, big, I think so. He's a big, strong kid, and that was late in the game. Um, so, you know, I, I think there were things that the Niners could have done better. You know, they had some success with the blitz, bringing that guy off the slot when the slot was tight and sending Bosa inside. But like I said earlier, the you know Kansas City's coaches get paid too so they start to see that their' a line guy makes an adjustment. they pick up that blitz and now it's uh, it's taking candy from a baby because Mahomes can just put that ball anywhere.
0: Yeah, there's a, a lot of different things that were changed the I guess in the Battle of the coaches, Shanahan won the first three and a half quarters pretty much and then kind of choked it away like I said earlier. What do you think is his biggest problem? Why do you think that he does this in the biggest situations? Because in the last two Super Bowls that he's been coaching in, when he when they lost to the, the Patriots after having the 25-point lead in this last one, his teams have been outscored 40 to nothing in the fourth quarter. So it's a, I, I almost wonder if he needs to give the keys up in the fourth quarter.
2: Well, I, you know what? It always – and, you know, you live this, and, and eventually you may coach and you'll understand this. But, you know, bottom line is players make plays, right? So, uh, you know, in that in that game with the Falcons, he didn't really have that much control. He kind of he kind of tried to start eating the clock a little bit early, which probably hurt him. Um, Honestly, last night, yesterday, I really thought that uh, they were exposed. You know, Richard Sherman's a heck of a player, but I thought he got exposed with his age and and he's lost a step. Um, You know, and again, I thought they got exposed just by letting Mahomes out on the edge. Uh, could, could Shanahan have called some different plays? Probably, but you know, you go from a, you know, third and nine to a third and 15 or whatever it was on the false start, those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, I I think the coaches make the adjustments and I think both, both coaching staffs did a good job adjusting, but it always comes down to players making plays. And I think you saw where, you know, Richard Sherman, I'll say he's old, but he's probably you know 15 years younger than I am but you could tell that he just he just kind of lost a step
0: yeah I didn't agree with the because every time that I talked about the game and everything that I've heard of there's ways that you can take Tyreek Hill out of the game you still have to deal with Watkins and, and their other really fast receivers but you can if you put a safety over the top of Tyreek Hill he's not big enough to win a a double coverage thing and if you, if you don't let them get behind you and, and you have Sherman who's really smart and can kind of play a little bit better of a zone they should have probably been in cover two most of the time maybe even cover four against them and and then they ha- could have a little bit more of a fighting chance but the it,
2: and, and I think they were I think they were playing some cover cover two cover three with some man concepts underneath and really what maybe they should have done is found a way to at least on obvious passing downs, you know, get another D lineman in there and make those uh, make those Kansas City offensive linemen block one-on-one, right? I mean, you know, D, uh, San Francisco's got one of the best D lines around. Uh, but if you can, you know, if you can get help with the back and you can double team with the center or guard that's uncovered, that helps you out in your blocking scheme.
0: Yeah, they did a good job of not letting Bosa expose Fisher because Fishers had problems with bull rushers, bull rushing guys, guys that are really strong and, and rush the way Bosa did. And, and I think that was the adjustment you were talking about too, where they were never really in a one-on-one situation. And when they were, it was quick, so they didn't have to worry about it all that much. So there was uh, – I think Kansas City, it always ends up like this when you have the team that won the first half and then the other team comes out and looks – twice as good you think that their coaches probably outcoached the other side but I just think that they had um they had a little bit more presence on the sidelines their coaches had been in that situation before and in big games before and I I do think that kind of influenced how the adjustments were were made and the way that that affected the rest of the game
2: yeah I mean I think you can tell the 49ers have a young staff I, I still like what they do um again, you didn't see, you know, the older Shanahan's, uh, four attempts before, <clears throat> before you saw him win one. Um, none of them were even this close. So, uh, you know, I, I enjoy, um, I enjoy the season. I enjoy the games. I don't like the chiefs. <coughs> Congratulations to them. But, uh, I just think uh, as the as the 49ers coaches grow, if they can keep those guys together, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with for quite some time.
0: I think that they have the best setup um, of the two teams. I think they have the best setup, not on the field-wise, but just in the GM office and the way that they know their, their identity. I think that they'll probably have the better chance to be back in a Super Bowl more so than the Chiefs will just because – And it's diff. I see it this way because where we are and the way that the Broncos are ran, where it's basically like the Cowboys used to be, it's a dictatorship, nobody gets any say, but Lynch and Shanahan working hand-in-hand and them going off of each other and pushing each other to be as good as they can be, I think that sets up the 49ers to possibly make it back. And I'm not sure that the Chiefs have that same set up in the front office not many teams in the NFL do but I think that this could also start influencing the way that teams are ran a little bit better
2: yeah I think so I mean <clears throat> excuse me I think if you look at what what's going on with the Broncos I mean look at how San Francisco built the team right they built them from the front back you know San Francisco's got one of the bestie lines well that's the benefit of Garoppolo getting hurt and then getting the two pick and then getting Bosa. So, okay but they have DeForest the Buckner. Buckner. They have a couple other guys on that D line. They're pretty dang good.
0: Solomon Thomas was the fourth overall pick the year before they got Bosa too, and he's a backup. Right.
2: right. That's what I'm saying. Put five guys down on the line and let the Chiefs, you know, see if the Chiefs can block one on one. What the Broncos are doing, though, <clears throat> Elway, it, it's kind of weird because I don't think Elway would have stood for this when he was playing. I, I mean, you know, the guys that have been playing quarterback for the Broncos now. Look, Joe Flacco looked like he didn't want to be there all year. He just looked like he was defeated before he even started. But by the same token, since Manning was here, we haven't had an O-line that's been worth anything. And, And if you can't protect the quarterback, it doesn't matter who you have back there. That's why I think they're crazy saying Brady's going here, Brady's going there. Brady's not going to Miami. Brady's not going to Tampa Bay. They can't protect the quarterback. That guy doesn't want to get hit. He's old like I am
0: yeah uh, he's uh it it opens a little bit more of a possibility with the way that everybody's kind of turning on garoppolo i didn't think that he played bad and i think that he actually had a a really good season and it was just the way that the team was set up the reason why his stats weren't as great and he only threw eight times in the nfc championship but now if they make the decision to let go of his contract they don't have they don't owe him any guaranteed money um before a certain date and then that there's a possibility. I think that's one of the landing spots for Brady next season. And he grew up a 49ers fan, so now it's kind of funny how it all worked its way back out. And now Garoppolo could be holding the place for Tom Brady after he got he was forced out of New England.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't trade a young guy for an old guy necessarily. I mean, Brady's good, but you know the the bottom line. What this is Garoppolo's first full season as a starter.
0: Yeah, the first one that he's made it all the way through.
2: I mean, give give the guy a little bit of a break, right? He had a heck of a year. They were thirteen and three. They went to the Super Bowl. The other side of that is, you know, in the in the NFC championship game and, and you grew up playing for me, grumpy old line coach, in my opinion, there's never a good time to throw the football. Right? I mean yeah. you throw the football, you know, more bad things can happen than good things, right? So I'm all about run the ball and look if those guys are getting eight yards of crack, nine yards of crack, yeah, keep handing them the dang ball. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, it, it does. It does two things: it shortens the game, and it just you know if you can run it down somebody's throat, it's just like play by play taking the soul out of somebody.
0: Yeah, and that they're the team is set up like our old teams used to be when we ran the robust, and they have three running backs that all average. Over five yards of carry, their offensive line loves to run block. Um, Staley and McGlinchey are probably the two best tandem tackles in the game. I think that they're better than Fisher and Schwartz. For uh, yeah, how
2: long is how long is Staley going to be around though? He's what a 13-year vet.
0: Yeah, it, something like that. I think he was the only player who was on the team when they went to the Super Bowl back in 2012. Um, but they have like they have good pieces and they're set up to have these pieces for a while because all their best guys are uh bounce backs that got cut from a whole bunch of different camps or undrafted free agent running backs that aren't going to cost them a whole bunch of money. I really think that this is as good of a possibility that they could have had losing because they're still set up to be really successful moving forward.
2: Well, and, and having an undrafted free agent running back, who does that sound like? I think uh, Shanahan might've seen his dad do some good things with a guy like that around here in Denver.
0: Yeah. It's uh I think that he did, He they're, he's really smart and knows how to scheme up a game, but it, in the biggest situations, I just don't think that he has enough experience to ad-lib a little bit and make adjustments on the fly. It, it looked like he was going based off a of script pretty much the entire time.
2: Yeah, well, and, and what I didn't like was what they did at the end of the half where they didn't call a timeout when Kansas City had to punt, um, and then they got that person that uh, pass interference, which I didn't necessarily agree with. I, I thought that was a bad call, but. You know, if you if you take the time out there, you've got a minute and a half to work with versus, you know, 45 seconds.
0: Yeah, there's different. And he came out and said that he was um, that's why everybody's kind of putting it on Garoppolo, because they think Shanahan didn't trust Garoppolo because the reasoning behind that was, well, we didn't want to throw three incompletions and then give the Chiefs the ball back, which means that he he had no nowhere in his mind did he think garoppolo was going to be able to make the plays that they needed to get into field goal range and then they run on the first play throw on the second play get the penalty and they kind of half committed to a thing of going into halftime tied at 10 and half committed to try and put more points on the board and you can't really do that in that big of a situation
2: yeah well look i mean you know you still have a young coach you have a guy that you know probably there aren't many people except maybe his dad that know the offense any better than he does that he's running. And so, you know, you've got a young guy that doesn't want to give up control. I get that. Um, And as you, you know, as people work through any, any career, as you move up and you start getting more responsibility, sometimes it's hard to learn how to delegate that responsibility, but I think he's going to need to uh, because as a head coach, there's so many other things to manage throughout the game that uh that you kind of you kind of have to take some of that pressure off yourself from a play calling standpoint and i could see him doing it he just got to find somebody he trusts
0: yeah he uh, needs to find the gary kubiak to to his um, his when gary was there with his dad uh, everybody keeps saying that gary was the one that could talk mike out of a bad play that everybody knew was a bad play but that was the one that he wanted to run he needs to find kind of like his filter yeah
2: well and 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 i think you're seeing some of that um you know, so, some, a bunch of young coaches together and they just kind of start being yes men. Right. And it happens. It, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, you get to a point where you need to find somebody you can trust somebody that can say, no, I don't want to run that play. I think we're in a, in a different situation. And, and I think he will, I think, uh, I think he's a smart enough kid to, to certainly make those adjustments and, and, uh, do some self-reflection, uh, after a game like this and uh, you know they'll be I, I think they'll be back I think uh, you know it'll I think it'll for a while it'll start to look like the you know the early 90s where you start seeing uh, San Francisco and uh, and uh, I don't know about Green Bay but San Francisco will seem to be in the NFC championship game every year whether they win it or not it'll be a different story but you know you'll kind of have them in Kansas City and and kind of the perennial favorites now for quite some time just because of the youth they have on the team. And then I think you'll have John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan work together and, you know, they certainly seem to understand how to evaluate talent and they certainly seem to understand what they need and how to go about getting it. So, uh, you know, they won't have high draft picks, but uh, I think they'll be able to find some guys down, you know, deeper in the draft that'll do them some good.
0: Yeah. That's going to be a test to their, test of their scouting department now they're not going to have an easy pick where it's the best guy in the draft that you need to fill a position at so that'll be something interesting moving forward switching over to Kansas City side um, I know that you don't like the Chiefs because you're a Broncos fan and now uh, it always sucks when a team that's in your your team's division wins a Super Bowl is that the main part of your disappointment or did you just Want to see uh, a former guy that that has Denver ties, a guy that graduated from uh, Cherry Creek? And did you want to see him over uh, a division rival in, in the Super Bowl?
2: No, you know, look, so I, I yeah, I watch the Broncos. I, I guess you could say I'm a Bronco fan. I'm not a diehard. I'll watch any game that has helmets in a football. Um, and honestly, you know as well as anybody, I forgot Shanahan even graduated from Cherry Creek because you texted that, and I was wondering what the heck you were talking about. Um, and and God love Andy Reid. Yeah, you know, I love love seeing an old offensive lineman do well. What I don't like about the Chiefs, there's a couple things. Number one, I don't think Tyreek Hill should be in the league. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I have no time for guys that do that to to women or kids. That to me should be. You know what? Go find yourself a a real job and let's see how you do in that profession. And by the way, you get fired for that in that profession, too. Number one. Number two, I think Mahomes is a fantastic talent, but the flexing and the carrying on. That's just that's just crap to me. Look, act like you've been there before. You know, you heard that how many times growing up? You score a touchdown, you hand the ball to the referee, act like you've been there before. You want to celebrate with your team, fantastic. Celebrate with your team. But the flexing and running down the field and playing to the crowd and this kind of stuff, I just – I don't have any time for it. And so it really isn't – it doesn't have anything to do with the division rival. It doesn't have anything – you know, like I said, love Andy Reid, love to see an old ex-offensive lineman do well. Um, you know, I just think they have a couple pieces that um, – you know, one that shouldn't be in the league and one that needs to tone down his act a little bit.
0: After this, uh, a lot of the times after a team wins the Super Bowl, it starts to open up the floodgates of people leaving that were key parts of the teams um, because people start to get paid and now they don't have to take a uh, salary cut because they need, a, they need a ring. They've won one now and and they want to move on and make their money. Do you, see, do you think that that's going to be part of the problem with the Chiefs? I mean, they have to pay... Mahomes at the end of this year, he's probably going to get $40 million a year. But there there is a way that they can kind of schedule his contract so that he doesn't have to lose everybody at once. Or do you think that this is going to start blowing up the Chiefs from the inside?
2: I think it'll start blowing up the Chiefs from the inside a little bit like it does everybody, right? It's hard anymore. And look, I don't begrudge guys getting as much money as they can. They're putting their bodies on the line every week. And, you know, I, I remember sitting down when, Gosh, when when Elway made a million dollars and listen to my grandpa complain about that and why well, should he get, get paid a million dollars? Why don't I get paid a million dollars? I said, What well, do you have seventy five thousand people that want to come and watch you do what you do every day? There's the difference. But, uh, you know, I think it'll start blowing it up. And, and as you you know, they've gotten lucky with uh, with Mahomes on his rookie contract and that kind of thing. So as they have to start paying people, they're going to have to make some hard decisions. Now, with a guy like Andy Reid, he's been through it. You know, obviously, you know, one of the most important pieces is the quarterback. Um, and then, you know, as long as they keep bringing in speed, I think they'll be okay.
0: Yeah. And they're kind of set up in a, in a good situation because they're pretty easy to plug and play guys because there's not, you have to learn the offense, but it's not that complicated. If you're fast and can catch the ball, you'll, you'll be able to be a receiver in that offense. And then if you can pass block, you'll always have a job there too. That's, they do have really good pass-blocking tackles, and their interior line isn't bad at it either. Schwartz is probably the best one-on-one pass-blocker in the league. Um, so they do have those kind of pieces that are still there, and, and they now they have the most important position. Do you think that – is Mahomes the most talented quarterback you've seen? You've obviously seen a lot more quarterbacks than, than I have just because you're, you've been watching longer, and uh, you've seen a lot of good quarterbacks like Elway, Montana – all those. Do you think that Mahomes is the most talented overall?
2: Uh, I would say Mahomes is definitely the most athletic overall that we've seen. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson kind of cut from the same mold. Um, you see, though, that sometimes that doesn't help guys. Right? You had, uh, jeez, uh, the guy. Uh, I can't pull his name out of my head for some reason. Um, you've had you've had athletic quarterbacks come and go. Mahomes has athleticism. He has arm talent. He's got a rocket. I mean, I I don't know. Even Elway, I don't know if he ever threw threw a ball that hard or that far. Um, I think as he grows, he'll be one of the best in the game. I don't know that I'm ready to anoint him yet. What I want to see is, you know, as that athletic ability sort of slows down, will he still be able to do that with his arm from the pocket? I mean, look, it happened to everybody it happened to Montana. It happened to Steve Young It happened to John Elway. It happened to all those guys. Eventually you can't run around like you used to, uh, you know, defensive guys get faster every year. And so can you decipher the game and can you understand the game well enough to make that kind of magic from uh, a stationary position, if you will, versus being able to run like you can when you're young.
0: Then. The other thing I wanted to ask you about the chiefs. Do you think that Andy Reed is a hall of famer now that he's won a super bowl? Or did you think that he was a hall of famer even before he finally got the championship?
2: You know, I, I think he was probably a hall of famer before he got it. I mean, he did some amazing things in, in Philadelphia. Um, you know, kind of a more with less kind of a mentality. Look, Donovan McNabb was a good quarterback. He's no Patrick Mahomes. Let's just be honest. Um, so I think he had it no matter what. Uh, it would have been harder for him to get in uh, without the ring, but now that he has it, I think he's probably a shoe in
0: Do you think that he's going to keep going and, and see how long he can get this going, or now that he has the championship, is he going to start kind of dwindling his career a little bit? You know,
2: I think when you get to that level in that in the profession, whether as a player or a coach, I think you're so ultra competitive that you have a hard time letting go. Um, you know, everybody'd like to go out on top like Manning did, like Elway did, that kind of thing. But, you know, you, you those guys are wired a little bit different. They're they're so alpha dog that I don't think they're wired to to give up and think that they can't do it again. I think Andy Reid doesn't know what to, wouldn't know what to do with himself if he wasn't coaching. I think I can see him moving into a, you know, in, you know, three, four five years, moving into a GM kind of a role. Uh, I think he'd probably relish that role a little bit. Uh, being a head coach in the NFL is hard. I mean, you know, those guys put in insane hours. They pretty much say goodbye to their family in July and, you know, pick it back up again and whenever the season ends. So, um, I don't see him giving it up right away. I'd be interested to see how long they sign Mahomes for
1: Mm.
2: uh, to, to kind of put more of a timetable on it. Uh, If they sign Mahomes for five years, maybe Andy Reid's there for five years. I I don't know. He's getting a little long in the tooth uh, as we are all uh, apt to do. Thank goodness. But uh, you know, again, I think that those guys are wired just a little bit differently and they always think that, you know, next year's the year. I mean, look, 31, 31 teams every year are going to end on a loss. Um, so, you know, everybody's always working for that that holy grail. And then once you get it, you you know this, you get that taste, and, okay, now I want the next one, now I want the next one. And, and it's hard to find a way off of that merry-go-round.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with him. I could almost see him – I think he was going for as long as he was just so that he can try and – do all that he could to get a ring and now that he has one I could see him maybe I don't know if he's going to be like a, a dig for meal where he finally wins one and then he's done and, and hands it over to the coordinator but I can see him start maybe grooming whoever he wants to take over maybe that's why they keep the enemy around because that's maybe that's who uh read trust to be able to hand the team over once he's done being on the sideline you know,
2: it, it could be I think there might be look Eric the probably should have gotten a, a head coaching job this year yeah uh, you know he had some he had some missteps in the past in his past and and that kind of thing I think it'll be interesting to see if that is the case if they can keep him around that long uh but I think the other interesting part of that being just a midwest team is is how the hunts would uh sort of uh react to that um I thought it was, thought it was fairly interesting. You know, you could tell there from the Bible belt every time the hunts talked, uh, because, you know, everything is, and, and don't get me wrong. Everything is by the grace of God, but they pretty much ended every sentence that way. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I think that'll be interesting. And, you know, I don't know how old Andy, Andy Reed is exactly, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, I, I would think that health issues would get him before really a desire to quit will get him.
0: Now that the season's over, there is a little bit of a caveat this year because of the XFL starting. Um, are you excited for that at all, or do you? Because that's basically the question I've been going around asking people: Are, are you excited to watch the XFL, and, and do you take into account what happened with the AAF last year and not having actual money behind it? are are you nervous are you excited or are you just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with it
2: you know i'm just kind of waiting to see i uh, i'll watch it if i catch it on uh you know you know as well as i do that we pretty much you know kind of burn the tv once the season's over but uh you know it's it's hard because you get so used to let's put it this way the nfl puts out a good product week in and week out you have some stinker games and you have stinker teams here and there and that kind of thing. But, you know, for the most part, every game, you know, everybody's got a puncher's chance. Um, and they put the best, you know, the best 22 guys on the field at a time and that kind of thing. I just don't think there are enough guys with that ability to substantiate another league. You could find some hidden gems. That's for sure. I mean, I lived through and I'll show my age. I lived through the, uh, Gosh, the
0: uh, USFL.
2: Yeah, that one. I see I'm getting old. I told you. (laughs) Uh, But they found some gems out of that. Right. They found Herschel Walker. They found uh, Reggie White. Reggie White. They found uh, Jim Kelly even. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that you can find some of those guys. But, you know, you have to sort of temper that because just like college football. You get a guy from, you know, Alabama. It looks like he's all world when he's beating up on, you know, uh, Appalachian State or one of the lower level SEC teams. You know, is that guy's skill set going to translate into the the Premier League in the sport? And <clears throat> sometimes I think that's hard to tell.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think that it's there to compete with the NFL. I think anybody who goes in and tries to compete with the NFL right away, it, it's dumb. That's why the USFL is gone. Um, but they they do have some cool things in place. There is actual money behind it. McMahon sold a good amount of his stock in WWE to build up an insurance fund for these guys, so they actually do have money. They're going to get paid like they were promised. And uh, The other thing about their contracts is that they're written in as two years. No, they can't leave after they have one really good season, so we're going to be able to see if guys are good enough in the league Uh, They're going to have to play two years, so they're not going to be able to just have the one great season and move on. But it could also be like a developmental type league. I think that's what it should try and be. They should try and partner with the NFL because with the way the CBA is right now, and they're trying to expand the NFL season to 17 games, 18 games, where they're going to ask for even less playing or practice time. This could be the place where you said maybe you don't know about a guy right away. He can go down there, learn how to be a professional athlete, and then you can get your hands on him when he's already a professional and ready to learn at that level.
2: Yeah. yeah well, honestly, but, I mean, be honest. I, I think that probably some of these D one schools should really be the farm league for the for the NFL. I, I mean, um, you know, they sort of are anyway. Kids coming out early and stuff. And again, I don't begrudge them for that. You can, you know, finish your education, uh, you know, after. But if you can make millions of dollars in the the interim, certainly take that opportunity, at at least in my opinion. But uh, I I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. As long as it's – I'll call it real football. Um, You know, the USFL was real football. It it wasn't as good as the NFL – it didn't have the backing and they overpaid some of those guys for sure. Um, but you know, if you don't put that, that product on the field, week in week out, you're going to lose people. And, and I think that's ultimately what happened with the AFL and, and, and stuff this summer is they just didn't have the, they didn't have the horses in order to make that, make that run.
0: The other thing that I learned about the XFL yesterday, cause I was listening to, uh, they had Klatt on Schlereth and Evans on Friday and he's calling the one of the first game, uh, this Saturday. And he was saying that there's no, you don't have to go to college before you want to play in the XFL. So if you're a guy, it's almost like where people are going overseas in basketball when they don't want to have to play the one year in the, uh, in the NCAA, they can just go and make money already and become a professional athlete. Do you think that, football is obviously different than basketball. You normally don't come out of college and, and be ready to write or high school and be ready to play right away. Do you think that there's possibly some of those guys that don't want to have to waste their time in school and go right to being a professional football player?
2: Well, I, let's, let's put it this way. I don't see school as a waste of time. And I, I say that for a couple reasons. Um, number one, I think, I think they're, especially for these bigger programs, I think there's some classes they should probably mandate for some of these guys so that when they do make a little bit of money or if they do make a little bit of money in the pros, they're not getting, you know, getting it stolen from them and, and all that stuff. Um, I, I don't think school's a waste of time at all. Um, I don't see I, I, what I see in that case is a long line of kids that decided they didn't want to go to school and then they went into this league and they got hurt, and now they're done, and now what are they going to do? I honestly think that the NFL should require these guys to have degrees before they can come in, uh, irregardless of their talent. I know you take the risk of getting hurt, but, um, you know, you could get hurt in the pros just as easily, and you need something to fall back on. I mean, uh, to me, that's just – you know what are you going to do when football's over? Football ends at different times for everybody. Sometimes it ends very abruptly, and I think you need to have that educational backing to uh, to be able to move on with your life in a productive manner.
0: It's going to be interesting moving forward to see how everything shakes out. Obviously, this is going to—it's a little bit of a dead period, but if you want to, you can still pay attention to football twenty-four-seven with all the draft coverage and. Um, trying to guess where people are going to go, who's who's going to take who, and see where the team, what the team is going to look like next year. So um, it's going to be a little bit different now that there's games going on. But I do think that this will be a good off season for the NFL, and um, they're coming up on a new CBA. So I think some of the changes that they tried to make in the Pro Bowl, they're going to start doing some different rules in the preseason. I think this is going to be probably one of the bigger off seasons for football. Um, that that have been happening for a while.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I just hope they don't they don't water the game down to the point where it's it's hard to watch. Look, people watch football because they like to see hits. I, look, I was I was shocked because that Kansas City defense yesterday came out and whacked some people, and I didn't think they were that physical. Mm-hmm. But you know, you can't you can't take the essence of the game away. I I don't want to see guys with head injuries. I think you should take that – you know, take the take the money and, and do all the research and figure out a way to uh, mitigate those as best you can and, and help the guys out, give them better medical coverage, give them better pension, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, you know, you can't take hitting out of the game. You can't take – everything now has gone from a subjective thing to a, oh, well, let's challenge that or let's look at that. And, you know, I just – to me that just slows the game down and that's not what I'm looking for. Well,
0: thanks for coming on and talking about the, the Super Bowl and, and where things you think are going to end up going. Um, I think this will be a good segment. I think people are going to enjoy the little bit of extra stuff that, that we talked about. So thanks for coming on.
2: I hope so, man. Thanks for having me
0: again. Huge. Thank you to my guests this episode, my brother Dominic and then my dad, Jim, um, always happy to have them on it, and love talking to those guys, especially about football and and WWE with Dom. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Remember to like and subscribe and uh, go back and catch up on all the episodes you missed if you didn't start uh, with episode one. But uh, thank you guys for listening, and I can't wait to do this again next week.
2: You can easily replace me. Tell me that I'm strung out, wasted on a daily. Probably cause there's no one around me numbing not me, not all my pain. Probably cause there's no umbrella to shoot me from all.